0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael pincus and andre prue
1: andre uh it's nice to talk to you
0: again this week yeah it's nice to talk to you as well like
1: two times in one week i think my god anyway um you know what i think i think tonight we're we're gonna take a very serious note and um and we're not we're not opening any bottles unless you had something with dinner because we are recording this fairly late in the evening.
0: Yep, I, I don't have anything open.
1: Okay, uh, I I will admit that I did try some Burrowing Owl Athene two thousand seventeen, damn good wine, uh, but that's that's just that's just me. Um, but with everything that's going on in the world, I we thought maybe we should do something about this, and we didn't. And we thought, we're not going to do it. We're not going to jump on the bandwagon. And then we were approached by a gentleman who were, uh, is the winemaker for Second Street Light, the winemaker for Corn, Cornfield Wine Company, the winemaker for Coffin Ridge. He's the consultant for Solaria Rose Hill Cellars. He has a grower partner with Ridgepoint, and he also has his own winery, Narai Cellars. And why were we approached by him was because Andre and I actually have personal relationships with this particular winemaker. Uh, for my part, uh, he's, he's one, of, one of, if not my best friend, uh, and he was the best man at my wedding. Uh, and I worked with him at Southbrook for years, uh, and just, you know, I'm very close with the gentleman. Andre, if you want to say what you do with him...
0: Yeah, you're sounding like you're getting a little verklempt a little bit.
1: I'm, I'm, I love this man, so I'm just, I just, I don't want people thinking <laughs> that we, that we just jumped on the bandwagon here to talk to the black winemaker of Niagara. We both have a connection. He, yeah, he's, so he, he helps uh, he, you find grapes for your, uh, for your brand, and you're yep. also a friend of his.
0: Yep, uh, actually, it's, it's, uh, I really, really enjoy working with Steve. Steve helped me. Bottle my wine last year when I, I frantically needed to find a way to get my wine in bottle when I had a bottling date cancelled. Uh, he has been um, been nothing but generous when I've needed advice or uh, direction on where to go, what to do, what to buy, where to buy it. Um, so yeah, I've, I, I owe a lot of the existence of the ADX Wine Company to Steve Byfield. So
1: that's yeah, who we are speaking to, uh, Steve Byfield, And we just, uh, I guess, uh, Steve, hello. Hello, guys. How are you doing tonight? Uh, Good. Um, So I guess we should start with, obviously, maybe we should jump right into this. Uh, What are you drinking? (laughs) Uh, Right now, nothing.
2: had a glass of water earlier. I had just finished um, a good good day bottling at uh, Ridgepoint Wines for one of my clients. And um, spending spending some time with the guys there. Of course, social distancing was the... uh, was the imperative uh, measure and precaution to take, but no, everything's done and everything's cool. And we're just, I'm just relaxing to rebound to uh, tackle another day tomorrow.
1: So we, we obviously the, the, um, the, the the topic is, I guess the black experience in not only the wine world, but in Canada. Uh, And you approached us and said, no, I, I really would like to discuss this. So, Andre, I think you wanted to pose the very first question.
0: Yeah, I, I think the first question is, uh, and, and, and you know, I guess full disclosure on this, I reached out to you through Michael because I wasn't sure how to approach you with the question because I'll be honest, I've never had to talk to you about the color of your skin. Um, but there's a lot of people in the industry who now have your name on their lips that three weeks ago either... Didn't didn't bother to check out the brand, or just had no idea that we had a black winemaker in Niagara. Like, how does it feel to have so many people speaking about you or speaking on your behalf right now?
2: Well, if as you guys know, uh, me um, and other people who know me well, um, I'm not one to typically typically go out and find or seek the limelight. I'm one who's pretty quiet to myself. And try to run uh, my brand as such, along with uh, my you know uh, my teammates uh, in, in the brand of Mirai. And it's a it's humbling. And it's also a bit uh, I can say daunting as well. And just like um, I guess really to say, I was telling someone this earlier today. You know, um, appreciate the 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 attention. Appreciate uh, new eyes on on the brand and on myself for the brand. Um. Uh, it's you know I like to think that at the end of the day the wine that's in the bottle speak for itself in terms of in terms of the quality because we're just trying to make a good quality product. However, I did feel uh some, did have some reservations as to um, of course. I guess the the reaction why it's happening in terms of apartment part of it why it's happening because you know it seems like it state stateside and just felt kind of bad saying okay is this kind of Reaction or uh, cause of you know of the uh, the larger topic, the social topic stateside in terms of you know racial equality and um, and the whole thing. So um, it's again, it's it's great in one way, but another way, I just have to stand back and go, yeah, okay, this is coming at the cost of something bigger, and um, you know we just take it in stride
1: and and appreciate uh, what we have. So. Now something I've I've never I've never asked you is, and 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 just as as Andre said I've you know never gone geez I I I, I got to ask Steve something based on the color of his skin but I I guess you know everybody is seeing you in those eyes now I uh, what is the I I just don't know as as a a white guy and Andre the same way what is the black experience in let's say Niagara or Canada or or Ontario, if you can, if you can give that kind of answer.
2: I can only talk for myself. Um, I'm sure people, other people have their own experiences, which they would Um, probably more intense, more, um, more involved than I Um, uh, personally, you know, uh, growing up, um, yeah, I, there, there of course there were issues, there were times, there were situations where, you know be mind my own business, driving somewhere or walking down the street, whatever, and would hear the the N word. Bypassing car or whatever. And it's like Alright, um that's how you feel. It's wrong. Um, uh, it's not right. Uh you don't know me. And, you know, if that makes you feel good, so be it. But um in terms of um, you know, trying to take me down, tear me down, um those words, no, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't enough to uh just feel less pride or less less self respect for myself. I mean when my soft of my siblings were raised by two strong loving parents that uh instilled in their kids, you know, to have self respect for yourself, have respect for others and conduct yourself a certain way. Um, that being said, um there was always I guess the added, uh, lesson slash talk of, you know, but be careful when you're out there mind your own business. There's people out there who, you know, would probably look at to take advantage of you or, or to not not try knocking knock you down a pig based on your skin, regardless how, you know, if you are successful in the career that you choose or what you do, there always will be people who will not think that you're on equal grounds with them just based on again color skin or the religion or your nationality, whatever. So, um, so yeah, again, again, I have had, I've had my experiences, but in, you know, in the, uh, in the trade itself, it's been for the most part largely, largely positive, um, among other winemakers, other wine owners, um, among other, um, workers in the industry, either it be, you know, seller hands, uh, senior workers, vineyard managers, whatever, it's been nothing but a, a blessing been a great opportunity just to be part of this uh of this industry and, and the community as such
0: um do, do you mind if i ask a, a question just about like the conversations with your parents because i mean this is something that as a white person and i think most of the people listening to this podcast are are white um i mean that's not a conversation i've ever had to have with my parents that people are going to say stuff to me or or i have to mind my own business like what is? Is there a point in your life when you realize that, like, you know, your white friends don't have to go through the same stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. There was. I mean, not, I'm not. And I'm not saying I resented them for that. Whatever. It's just, um, would be situations where maybe, and one in one particular, I can remember when I was younger, um, living, growing up in Kitchener, um, and for the most part fairly, um, happy, um, uh, memorable, loving experience. There still have lots of family and friends there, but, um, it's one, one experience in, in particular that kind of stands out. And I actually just thought about it the other day and just kind of said, Hmm, that's, uh, yeah, I think that was probably the one of the first times I actually, um, recognized this, but the story in short was, um, I don't know how old I was at the time. Probably oh, definitely. You know, early grades, probably like grade four, grade five. Um, uh, there was a corner store actually, was a it was more of a corner store. It was a, a drug store that had um, you know, pharmaceutical school, school stuff as well as chocolate bars and potato chips. So far, so I would frequent this place quite quite regularly. And one day I was going, you know, just around the corner to this pharmacy store to buy a chocolate bar, I believe. And as just as I was about to approach the front door, this lady came out. I stopped, so that, you know, she could walk out unimpeded, and she looked at me, and I remember saying, remember her saying, distinctly saying, oh, the kind of the disgusted voice, um, oh, you, you black people just bother me. Like, why are you here? I just can't, I don't understand this, and I just don't like you. I'm, 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 stand, I'm standing going, kind of dumbfounded, going, who's she talking to, <laughs> right? And then as she's kind of collecting her thoughts in the same word uh, to me, her young son, who was, he was, he was definitely a, long, a, little longer, a little younger than myself, was right behind her. He looked at me. and I looked at him. He looked at his mom and said, Mom, who are you talking to? And she smoked a sack. I'm talking to this person. And she stopped and grabbed his hand and kept on walking away. And I guess I was kind of startled by that. And I thought to myself, walked in, bought my purchase, walked home. And it was at that moment I was walking home. it then the on me was like, hmm really? Wow. This is what um, someone who doesn't like you based on my skin color uh, happens, or does. And it's just, it kind of took me back and um, didn't really say anything to my parents. Actually, didn't say anything about my parents at all because um, <laughs> it would not have been pretty. But um, uh, it was something definitely I just kind of thought myself um, when my other friends have, um, in the neighborhood would have had that same type of experience or treatment and knowing that at that point no, they wouldn't, but again, um, uh, she wasn't someone from the neighborhood, that's for sure, in terms of my neighbor, my immediate neighborhood area, and um, um, never did see that first again. but it really did leave a lasting mark on me, because, you know, it's kind of how you just talk to treat somebody based on their skin color, well, knowing them, it wasn't like I was being rude or blocking entrance to the store. I, you know, it's just like, well, walk and see someone, she so step back, let them uh stepped by, walk by, and then, you know, for my, for my consideration and courtesy, got uh,
1: chewed out. So on uh, uh, bringing us back to, to your current profession, what – so I, I remember talking to Andre when all of these folks started coming out on social media and saying, why, why don't we have more black winemakers in Ontario? And, uh, I think Andre, uh, Andre, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but I think you looked up the, um, population of Niagara and I think, I think the, the black population is like 1.8%. So it's, it's a very, um,
0: that's from stats Canada. It was just, uh, I saw, I saw one particular person on Instagram being particularly aggressive towards the The industry in Niagara and once again my experience as a white person I haven't had any doors slammed in my face even while getting my my business going and I'm not sure what your experience has been like I know we want to get there but I I think when we're talking about issues with with race there, there do need to be more questions it shouldn't just be a matter of x number of people of a certain color or a certain religious or a certain ethnic background make up a population thus they should automatically be you know working in equal proportions in certain jobs like there's certain other factors that go into whether or not people are are, are represented i mean obviously people shouldn't be barred from entering these jobs but i think there's more questions to ask than simply being like 30 percent of a region is black thus 30 percent of every job should also be black there's other questions to ask so so
1: i'm so i'm glad that, that andre had looked that up and I, and I guess the the, the question that that I, I wanted to ask you was was what made you want to be a winemaker, a, a person of color? I don't know if there's a lot of people of color in in the wine business uh, as a whole, but it was there a certain person of color, black person, who who you you wanted to emulate at one point? And you saw you saw them, and you go, yeah, I can do that. No,
2: no, it well, wasn't. Um, and the reason why I pursued winemaking was something I just fell in love with. Uh, during my uh, uh, post-secondary studies at university, in my second year, I just became an amateur winemaker. Um, got bitten, as you know, they say, by the wine bug by working uh, with a gentleman who had a uh, brew on premise uh, facility in, uh, in Concord, Ontario. I was going to uh, York University at that time, and um, he was a retired Metro police officer. Uh, retired, I think, about two or three years earlier, and this was his uh, part-time job is to keep, as he would say, keep his, uh, himself uh, out of his wife's hair <laughs> at home. So kept him busy, and we just, um, fairly, fairly on, just broke up a really great relationship and a good working relationship, and and uh, I'm totally indebted to uh, Paul Morton is his name uh, for allowing me that opportunity to um, see wine, you know, to, to at least get appreciation of wine. And then, um, it really wasn't until after graduating university where when, um, for music, um, that I had a real inkling that, well, oh, this might be, it would be cool to see why making from me from a commercial and as opposed to just making it as an amateur and so forth. And, and then, then of course that opportunity was given to me, uh, uh my time at Southbrook, um, uh, starting in 2001 when I was, um, offered to apprentice and, uh, top up the 2001 vintage. So, um, in terms of, um, were there any other mentors or people I looked up to of color in the industry that I knew of at times, especially in interior? No. Um, uh, no, it was basically it's just something I wanted to do, and um, luckily I had a uh, found it, uh, something else just as passionate with wine as I, as I was with music uh, to pursue it, and thought this uh, would be a, a very viable
0: career path to take. I guess maybe to just take it back a, a little bit to what I was saying before about demographic then, and you said there was no one who necessarily inspired you to uh, join the wine industry. What do you think, um,
2: what do you think? Or at, least no, at least no one of color. Okay. You know, there were people, um, you know, once I got into Southbrook there, um, Derek Barnett being, uh, actually, actually Derek was really uh, my main mentor in terms of, um, someone, you know, who, who made great, crafted great wines and when I had the opportunity to, to practice there, I figured yeah, this would be great to learn under him and people like that and, um, and um, you know, bounce ideas off and ask questions, which I, you know, we can find just to keep up with them and, uh, and such, but in terms of anyone, you know, of, you know, of color, no, there wasn't anybody else um, at that time. But, you know, I guess I really was... I guess I really wasn't uh, seeking to find anybody like that or whatever. Cause I just, I didn't know um, and, and uh, that would later would be, uh, I guess, acknowledged and, and confirmed to me by others. Once um, uh, people knew of what I was doing and, uh, and, and working my way through the ranks, it was more or less confirmed. Like, Hey, I think you might be the only guy, if not in, if not in Ontario and Canada doing this. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. That accent bowl sells so like um, I wonder why. So um, that would be for a wider conversation as to uh, why people may not think there is opportunity, but you know, at least for me there was. And um,
0: yeah. Well, I, I think that actually that leads to um, a more succinct question from, from me. Then, uh, like I think it's important that we're taking a reflection on how white the wine industry is, right, from grape to the sommeliers that are are working in restaurants. What what can we do to change to change this industry and to change the mindset so that it's more inclusive that people of other uh, of other ethnic backgrounds are, are more interested and want to take part in in this world.
2: I think we've already. I think we're, we've already kind of. At least I can say for myself. I think I've seen it, seen that change happen already um gradually but it's it has happened it has been occurring um over the last six eight years um i guess in a larger context um or or vantage point people probably at one point probably not so much now but definitely at one point would view wine as being something that was a very intimidating subject or occupation to to you know, indulge in, in terms of, you know, you had to know the grape variety, you had to know where the grape variety came from, had to know the history of the variety, had to know the, variety, the history of the terroir and the region and so forth in the property and, you know, wine's a luxury, right? So to go buy a nice bottle of wine, you need some cash. Um, not everybody has that type of discretionary cash to buy, you know, uh, you know, screaming Eagle. Or a truce or whatever, but you know, the whole lore of wine being this mystique where you know it's it's an upper societal thing and you should know where it came from, come from, so you can talk to it. And I think, at least from my perspective, a lot of people were somewhat intim- intimidated by that. I have a doctor, sorry, and um, I think just over the last really decade or so, um, you're, we're seeing more people kind of gravitate into wine because, you know, it's not as intimidating. I mean, you know, I guess one of the adage, what I was saying used to be, you know, white wine, white meat, red wine with, you know, red meat, right? Well, that's kind of been thrown out the window now, right? So you can do whatever. And I think it's it's just more of a of an openness of people to really want to explore and um, see what they like. That's um, so how I kind of see it in terms of, um, you know, just people just open up and, and want to explore more. I think
1: they feel more comfortable to do that these days. So I, I guess kind of piggybacking on, on what Andre said, uh, and I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase the question kind of two, the same question two ways, just so that I, I, I make it sound right, I guess. Do you find the wine industry uh, exclusionary? Meaning, like, have doors been closed on you because of your color? I would say no. No.
2: It's um, like anything else, you have to prove your worth. And I think if you, know, if you, regardless if you have your own label, or if you're a winemaker or you're part of a, wine te- you know, a team of winemakers at a winery, you know, if you're contributing to the greater good of the product, meaning a decent, solid product, um, only the doors are going to close unless people don't like the wine. But I mean, itself, if the wine will always, I always took it as the wine always would speak for itself. Have I felt any type of, um, I guess, discrimination or uh, difficulty or, uh, let say, difficulty? No, myself, no. Like For the most part, it's been largely, largely a uh, uh, positive experience. Um, if anything, people have been very encouraging and supportive of, um, of uh of my brand, of course, and of, and of my work and that yeah, it's not so much, you know, hey you're only black guy doing this, so I wanna support you. No, I don't you know, it's it's not like some type of firm action where you go and do it because you're special in the certain way, you know, you go and do it because we want you because you have a great product and by chance, hell i smart you, you know, you're you know, your person of color. That's interesting, that's great, that's great to see. So um but my, my experiences in, uh, so far in, in this industry itself has been largely positive and um, very supportive of, of uh, a slew of people uh, in my past to where I've gotten now. It's been, um, I I think about them often. I think about them on a regular basis, and I'm, I'm just very grateful for that.
0: Now, Steve, I know you are you said that you, you're talking about your experience, and, and obvi- obviously you're the only black winemaker in niagara for me to put this this question to so maybe michael and i might need to ask this question to uh some of the the psalms in toronto as well but do you think that maybe um even just the the roots and the history of wine uh is a little problematic just that many of the the growing regions you know have a, a very strong history of of either overt or, or casual racism. If you're talking about France, like you know, the racism is is almost a part of the culture there. Or you take a look at what's happening in South Africa and come to think of it, you know, I've met and interviewed a half dozen winemakers from South Africa in in my career as a wine writer. Every single one of them white. Um, so, I mean, is is it just sort of I- exclusionary by its um, by its history? And how do you get past that?
2: Is it slew by history? I guess, and and perhaps it was, um, you know, say maybe 20, 30 years ago. Um, Hey, you know, guys, uh, you know, people have their own talents, people have their own attributes. Um, I think talent usually will shine and usually show. And if someone is willing to judge you on your talent, um, those opportunities will be there. Um, that being said, I also have also met a few winemakers from South Africa, South Africa as well. Um, uh, at a number of uh, events uh, that I used to be uh, part of with Southbrook, um, and and some and there were the one in particular. I can't remember his uh, name um, right now, but uh, one particular gentleman himself was uh, was just very supportive of what I was doing. You know, and he did say, "Hey, you know." In South Africa, we don't have a lot of people of color making wine. We have a lot of workers who do the work and so forth. But in terms of winemakers, it's it's not, it's not, it's not, there isn't not, not a, a big enough group that take you know, that has any visible uh, notice. But yet, you know, they're, you know, we do have some, but not a lot. I mean, he was just, just totally supportive going, you, you know, you just go, <laughs> you just do your thing and so forth. But, um, yeah, I'm for sure. I mean, I guess in the past there was, uh, that, like that, that exclusive club and, you know, you could never break through because maybe because, you know, again, uh, people of color weren't considered to have the uh, intelligence or the skill set to do, to do the work with that now, but you know, we're seeing it, we're seeing it all over now, you know, there are people of color working in that South African I or just people of color working in the uh, Pacific Northwest of the United States and Washington warrants right down to California. Um, you know uh my network with some of them um we you know you know pass messages on twitter now and then and so forth and support but um it, I believe it's growing and definitely um there is a definite uh, movement to to have more diversity and more people of of color not just of African descent but whatever you know yeah uh, indigenous Métis, um Asian just to really um show the true diversity and the reality of of society what it is today
1: So, um, you seem to be the, um, the focus these days, but I was wondering, do you know of any other black people in the industry that you'd want to meet but have yet to have the opportunity?
2: There's a few I'd like to meet in in, in the States, um, that have reached out to me or I've reached out to them or that we call each other. And, um, and send notes back and then, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to do some traveling at some point, um, just to uh, see see other regions, visit other regions, and um, make those connections and network.
0: And Steve, what yeah. would you what would you say to? Um, I guess mainly all the white people who are, are standing up and, and speaking out. Um, what what would you say to them? To it would be the best way for them to be an ally to uh, people of color, marginalized people and um, just help make the industry more inclusive. Like what, what, what's the, what, what would you want? What would you want to say to them? I'm sorry the question's sort of like awkward. It's just, I'm trying to find the, yeah, the right yeah, way to well, word
2: would, it. Well, I would say them first of all, thank you for taking notice and supporting uh, such businesses as that. And um, again, um I guess if it's coming from a place of true earnest and true, uh, respect and, and compassion, that's great. That's awesome. Um, if it's just, you know, like if it's like the fad thing to do, because, you know, it's our human nature, you want, you know, sometimes, sometimes you want to jump on the bank wagon and just do whatever it is that's fashionable, <sighs> you know, you know, you know, you know, what's truthful from what's not in terms of your, your tensions and your actions. But, um, uh, in terms of, you know, the support and what people saying, you know, there should be more inclusionary, that, that's great. I think that's something that um, should be raised, should be noted. And um, hopefully that will lead to some opening up doors and changing of attitudes and uh, willingness of people to, you know, give someone a chance. Because at the end of the day, um, someone someone was willing to give me a chance to get into this. And it was um, it was not a charity, charity or anything, it's just that they... So I had some merit, um, had some drive, and had some desire and um, ambition to work, and was given the opportunity to do breakfast, and uh, worked hard at that, and I still continue to work hard on my craft, and um, again, I've never forgotten that. But um, I think again, that was just somebody who, again, was open up to uh, give me a chance, an opportunity. So if this. Movement to social it's just um, current movement to social phase that we're in allows for more people to uh, I guess have the confidence and maybe to pursue these opportunities or at least have opportunities come to them um, because of social change and just you know more of a, a pressing of society saying you got to let more people in uh, based you know and judge them on their, their talents and their skill set um, it's it's all it's all a good thing. It's all a different.
1: Steve, we'd like to thank you for taking the time to, uh, to speak with us. I, I, I know that your time is is precious these days. We've had to reschedule a couple times because um, you are so busy. Heck, what is it? six wineries that you're working with? And uh, uh, we wish you all the best in the future. And, and I, I know I'll see you in the backyard and we'll social distance real soon. Oh, we always
2: do and look forward to it as well. Andre, it was nice talking to you as well.
0: Yeah, it's always good to talk to you, Steve. We'll talk soon. Take care, guys. Thanks, Steve. I, I don't even know uh, how we're going to wrap this one up, Michael.
1: I, Andre, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a little speechless myself, so uh, maybe we should just uh, wrap this one up uh, and and leave uh, leave Steve's words as they are.
0: Um, and they can check out the work that Steve does at... It's Nirai Sellers. Oh. The website is niraisellers.ca N-Y-A-R-A-I-C-E-L-L-A-R-S dot C-A. Uh, I believe
1: you can follow him the same thing on Instagram. Uh, I know he's on Facebook. And you know what? I think he's on uh, Twitter as Terroir Lover. Yep. I think that's him.
0: Yep. So he, he, and he still has some wines for sale, even though it is literally like flying off the shelf. Uh, he, may, he has made great Viognier in the past, but it looks like that's sold out. Uh, and I haven't tried any of the new stuff that he's got listed on the site. Oh. Well, I guess... I don't know what to say. I guess we should buy some of Steve's wines. I guess so.
1: Uh, Well, uh, Andre, you are who?
0: I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. And I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com.
1: Good night, everyone. And thank you for listening.
0: Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel,
1: owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at six fifteen Concession Five Road in Niagara on the Lake, or check out their website at isellers.ca.
0: Find out how you can support us like Adnan by visiting patreon.com slash two guys talking wine.